Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, season two, episode two. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, it's just myself and Alex. Uh, Stacey and Beck will be back with us in our next episode. Alex, I, I guess we are so excited about the playoffs. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. Um, I, I guess one of the good things about the NFL is that it is a it is a shorter season, uh, an extra week this year, but... Uh, Again, it does feel like those last few weeks in the NFL season drag a little bit because everyone is anxious for the playoffs. We're here. Um, one quick note, though, I, I am sort of I'm looking at the list here, looking at all the teams that are in the playoffs. I'm not seeing a team from Chicago in there. I'm just going to give you the floor here, just to kind of reflect a little bit on the Chicago Bears season, noting well, that they uh, they did miss the playoffs this season. Oof! Ouch! First off, you, and I'm wearing my Bears hat and everything. You just got to go and do that to me. That's not nice. Look. Bears struggled. I think they have a lot of potential, and I say this every year, They, but I really do believe they have a lot of potential. I think Robert Quinn had an absolute standout season, um, so good for him on that one. David Montgomery, also a great season. I like Justin Fields as quarterback. I think he's just got to get a little bit more experience under his belt, and I would like to see Matt Nagy go bye-bye just don't think he's the right coach I'd like to see him go I don't I think we need a new DC as well I'm sorry I know it's his first year but I will happily take the Broncos coach that they just fired back as our DC yeah Vic Vic Fangio he is outstanding and and again if you can if you can bring that uh, that offensive edge to Chicago and yeah I I think I think all roads are leading to a new head coach there I think uh, I think you know things are looking a little bit brighter um you know next season and and there are a few franchises who I've kind of shown Chicago how to do it, right? Like sort of struggled. And then, you know, within one season, they're kind of able to sort of turn things around. So definitely possible. A team that probably didn't exactly do that. Uh, Let's jump over now to our listener question. uh, And it is, what should the Jaguars do with the number one pick in the draft? Alex, thoughts on this one? (laughs) The poor Jags. Like it's just, at the end of the day, they just become like the butt of the joke, right? Like it's just, it's not fun for them. It was great to see them get that win over the Colts this kind of past week in their final game. You know, they're one of the first two teams eliminated, which you never want to be. Um, And it's nice to see, but I think for me, it's like they've had the first pick in the draft for like so many years now. This is their second year in a row they've had it. And if I was them, based on what they need, trade it away. You don't need it. Like, it's not doing you any favors at this point. I think it's putting too much pressure on the franchise. Alex, uh, louder for the people in the back. I, I, I 100% agree. I think, you know, and, and it's just such a it's such a different draft. And we're going to spend a lot of time breaking it down. So we won't spend too much time on it. But you think about, you know, some of the players that are being projected as number one. And, and the question is, you know, would Hutchinson, you know, uh, you know, would, would Kayvon, you know, would they be able to turn this franchise around? You know, one more player, would would that be the difference between the Jags finishing last and, and sort of being competitive and being in the playoff mix? And Alex, thoughts? I, I just I just can't see one player being able to turn things around. I mean, if Trevor Lawrence can't do it, surely a pass, uh, a pass rush, that, that, that's just, it seems too simple a fix. 
Yeah, I think again, it's it's always that band-aid fix for Jacksonville, right? So it's always like, okay, if we get a the first pick in the draft, we get the quarterback, we'll be fine. It's like, okay, but you need people that he can throw to. So you need defenders that can defend the pass against other teams. You need a line that will protect him. Like there's so many different, you can't just stick your head in the sand, put a band-aid on it and hope that it, you know, it, it works. So And I think when you when you think about Jacksonville, what they're going to be looking for is they're going to hope that Kenny Pickett has the most incredible, outstanding, amazing uh, pre-draft process that you've ever seen. Because if they can get a few franchises to fall in love with him or or even some of his competitors, Matt Corral, like it's not clear on who will be that number one sort of, you know, quarterback. But, you know, unlike previous years, there's not a lot of, I, I guess, there's not a lot of love out there for that number one pick this year. So, you know, the, ja- the Jaguars' ability to kind of, you know, get three, four first round picks like sort of, you know, like what's happened in previous years, that's going to be particularly challenging. But I, I agree with you. Whatever they can get for that number one pick, I think it's going to be important because they need bodies. They need multiple players. Um, and, uh, you know, not all doom and gloom because they will get their running back back. Uh, Travis Etienne, obviously, season-ending injury before he could even sort of play. So I think that will that will sort of be helpful. And, um, yeah, uh, along with this number one pick and, and what they need to do there, they need to you know, they need to be very, very careful who they select as their next head coach because as – I guess as revolutionary as Trevor Lawrence has touted to be, you know, given his talent, uh, Alex, there were some football games where he was, he was seeing Sam Donald ghosts. It was, it was, it was bad. So yeah, definitely, definitely one to look out for. All right, let's jump into our first segment for tonight. The huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those All right, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Yeah, and this week we're going to be talking about and focusing in on the Arizona Cardinals. Alex, this is a very, very interesting franchise because, you know, when you think about when you think about some of the, the typical rebuilds that happen across the league, tell me a situation where a franchise has gone out and, and got a new head coach. Uh, they go into the draft, they get a high, they get a high pick in Josh Rosen. And, you know, they're okay, you know, they're, they're not perfect. But Alex, they blew the whole thing up after after one year. They removed the coach. They removed the quarterback. I mean, talk about the guts of the, the GM and this organization to be able to put their hands up and say, we made a mistake. We're not okay with just being okay. You know, we're, we're looking to be great. I mean, talk about, you know, the, the I guess the bold strategy in blowing this thing up after one year. And, you know, it looks like it's, it's paying off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't – sometimes in those situations, you got to give – like those coaches in those situations time to, you know, gel and move forward and, 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 you know, give time to adjust. But Arizona just went, no, we don't want to adjust. <laughs> just, we don't want to go through that, that, that pain. Um, so it's, it's definitely worked in their favor. I definitely think the off season additions that they made as far as JJ Watt went 
DeAndre Hopkins. I think J.J. Watt was a big steal for Arizona because when he left text, um, the Texans, it was kind of like, where's he going to go? Like, he, he is a star quality player on the defense, especially on that, that rush defense. So it was kind of interesting to see where he was going to go. And for him to go to Arizona, I think was – was great. I think it was a good pick for them. I think it really bolstered that defense. It gave them that leader defensively that they needed. I think the DeAndre Hopkins trade was interesting and pickup was interesting for them. I don't think it's worked out as well as they would have liked just based on injury, which is unfortunate. So hopefully next year he can be a little bit more productive with them. But, and then the addition of Zach Ertz during the season, it's kind of, it, it seems like Arizona has been like this ground to like rebirth these players, if you will. Like you could t- kind of see it. JJ Watt wasn't very happy at the Texans and Zach Ertz wasn't happy at the Eagles. And these are two standout players and they kind of, they went to Arizona and they've just had kind of new life in them. Right. It's a shame to see JJ Watt go with injury. Very excited to see him come back for the playoffs, but it's great to see Zach Ertz, who was a standout tight end, a Super Bowl winning tight end as well to have kind of like a rebirth, if you will, and kind of come back into his own and be utilized the way that he's been utilized in Arizona. I just think the rebuild from GM Steve Kime is just, it's incredible, you know, to, to go out and get uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who, you know, his record in college was awful. I mean, there was, you know, okay, fair enough. You go into the college game and you get the best college coaches and you bring them in. They won championships. I mean, Cliff's record was, was not exactly, you know, he, he was a 500 coach. So, you know, you kind of bring him in and take that risk. And then Kyler Murray, you know, we just haven't seen the Kylers of the world. You know what I mean? When you think about, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, he's an outlier, you know, he's a short quarterback. I mean, you think about, you know, the, these guys that sort of hide behind these massive offensive lines, you know, there, there is a reason why, you know, for, for, for all of these years, we've been looking at these big six foot two, three, four, foot quarterbacks, you know, there's a reason why that that's sort of been the prototype. I mean, Kyler Murray has really changed things. So that was really important. But Alex, a thing that I just want to pick up on, on what you spoke about and something that I did observe and, and obviously something that the the general managers picked up on was this team was too young. You know, there, there was really, when you think about the locker room, um, you know, you, when you think about the ability to kind of manage the, these high profile games, I mean, they are tortured in their division, by the way, they are in such a competitive division they needed to find leaders for the locker room. So, you know, is JJ Watt the old JJ Watt when it comes to production on the field? No, he's not. And and a lot of the players they brought in, you know, probably not at the peak of their careers, but it just goes to show how important it is to come in and bring that leadership in the locker room because you add that to some of the younger talent and it appears to be a winning, re- winning recipe. Yeah, definitely. And I think they've, they've had that too, as far as their coordinators go, can, can, considered to their head coach and the experience. And I think when you have that experience under you as kind of like a newer head coach, it, it can be, it can be good because you're not, you can kind of leave the play calling to somebody else. You don't have to sit there and go, I've got this. I know what I'm doing, especially when you've got people that have been in the game, like their assistant coaches, their special teams, Jeff Rogers, he's been in the game for 17 years as far as experience, you know, his defensive coordinator, 16 years as far as experience in Vance Joseph, you know, so they've got, he's got people under him that are experienced, which I think is also part of that, that kind of build and that success. But also then it, I think it transfers onto the, the team as well and onto the field where you have that experience in J.J. Watt, 
DeAndre Hopkins and those older players who can kind of lead those younger ones and, and not necessarily carry it, but kind of go, here's a mentality you need to have. Here's what we need to make sure we do on the field and just make sure that they have that drive, especially when it comes to playoff, because playoff mentality is so different to the mentality you have in the season. And when you're a team like Arizona, you know, when you don't have, you know, I guess massive deficiencies when you're a pretty complete football team, it puts them in a really good position moving forward in terms of just adding a few little pieces throughout the draft, maybe a free agent here, a free agent there. And, uh, you know, look, the, the future looks really, really bright there. And, you know, just quickly reflecting on the offense, because I do want to spend a little bit of time on the defense, uh, their ability to kind of, you know, get things moving from from a, from a running perspective, from a rushing perspective. You know, James Connor, he was cooked, Alex. You know, when you think about his career at Pittsburgh, like a couple of Steelers in the, over the last few years, he was he was done with. He moves over to Arizona and he's just gone back to being this amazing player. And, you know, you know, is James Connor or Chase Edmonds there? You know the top running back in the game? No, they're not. But again, you put a couple of okay guys in, and, and they can sort of you know get this duo, get this bit of a tandem happening. You combine that. You can combine that with with Kyler's feet. It's uh, you know it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think that takes the pressure off Kyler. And I think when we were kind of looking at Kyler Murray this first couple seasons, is that he was running a lot. His first instinct was just to put his eyes down and run. He wasn't really looking at his progressions up the field. So for them to get the likes of those players in at running back, it takes the pressure off him to have to run the ball, to have to go get that first down. And I think that's been beneficial, but I think it's also been detrimental to Kyler because now you kind of see his throwing ability and go, okay, it's good, but it's not fabulous. I think he's a lot better. He's, he's okay throwing out of the pocket when he's pressured and he's on the move than probably some quarterbacks. But again, he's still young. I think he's still learning. But his, his accuracy when he has to throw, especially when he has to throw far, is not great. So I think it's been a plus, but also it's kind of shown some areas where they need to, where Kyler needs to work on as a quarterback. Yeah, and, and almost like eliminate the, the unnecessary movement out of the pocket. Yeah. Move because you need to move, not, not just for the sake of it, because that's when Kyler sort of finds himself in a little bit of trouble. Um, and uh, but again, you know, when you think about him as a pure runner, you know, if he's going to, if, if we're going to, you know, uh, I, I guess call those plays and have him run the football, I think that's something that uh, that he, they can really bring out in those big games. And look, let, let's give a little bit of credit to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Alex, because you know it, it has been it has been pretty impressive. You know, when you think about their ability to kind of you know get pressure. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons, interesting player, you know, a hybrid defender and, and almost positionless. And this has been really, really interesting when you kind of review the NFL, that there are these occasional players, you know, Micah Parsons comes to mind who can play nearly any position on the defensive side. When they, when they drafted Simmons, they, they knew they were getting a player that didn't necessarily have a, a specific role in college. They didn't know exactly what they were going to do with it, and it has taken quite a bit of time to kind of figure out how to best use him in their system. Yeah, I think that has benefits and negatives to it, right? So as a team, you can kind of mold him to what you want. If he's if he has, if he doesn't come in and he's like, this is what I play, then you can kind of go, okay, well, where can we fit you into our scheme as far as zone and man-to-man defense goes? You know, what better suits your strengths? So again, that's a positive in that situation, but it's also a negative, as you said, it takes a while because then he's got to adjust to maybe one or two different positions that he might not have played in college. He might not know them a hundred percent. He might not know what he's looking for as far as, you know, reads and, and as an offense player is coming towards him, 
who needs to go help at times. So I think that that's the negative and the plus to it, right? It takes some time to develop, but also you can develop that player and mold them into what you want. So I think it's a, it's a plus and a negative, but he's done well. I mean, he's had 1.5 sacks, 70 solo tackles, 106 totals, total tackles. So he's good defensively, but I got to give it up to um, Butter Baker because that is a player defensively that you just don't want coming at you. And I think you see that in that in that secondary spot with Butterbaker, because in that safety position, if you are a standalone receiver and you go to turn around and you're playing Arizona and he's on, you are getting smashed because Butterbaker is coming in to knock the ball out of your hands. Yeah, and I, I think it puts them in a really good position because they can go out and draft a couple of younger corners or a couple of younger safeties as well. Pair them under under Buddha's uh, you know leadership, his mentorship, and. Yeah, he, he, is, he is some player. All right, Alex, well, let's have a look at our predictions for the Cardinals this season. Obviously, we're getting closer to the end. I think we're both sort of predicting that they may struggle to get out of the wild card round. You know, they're coming up against the LA Rams. I guess my question to you is, if, if, if they are unsuccessful, would you consider that to be a pass or fail season, you know, when you think about the Arizona Cardinals? Um, I think it's – I don't see it as a fail season, I think it's going to be a season where coming into it, they just got hit with a lot of injuries. It was an, I think it'll be come down to an, an unfortunate situation, a season for them, because when you've had JJ Watt out, you've had DeAndre Hopkins out, you've had a lot of injuries to key players that could make a huge difference for your team. Um, so I think for them, it'd be a, it'd be disappointing. I think for the fan base, for sure. Um, but I wouldn't see it as a detriment and I just see it as something that you can build on next year because I don't think they have as much to fix as they probably think they do. Yeah, look, I, I want to say pass, but I'm going to say fail. And the only reason I say that is because it would really spook the franchise because, you know, one of the things that I guess they are getting a little bit nervous about is their late season fades, you know, under, under Kingsbury and under Kyler. And we kind of saw it this year and, and I agree with you. I think this season it was more about injuries, but like we spoke about, if you go out and you bring in some older free agents for that leadership, older players get injured more. So this really is something the Cardinals have got to figure out. How can they play their best football at the end of the season in the playoffs? So I I think it will be a pass depending on how they lose, if that makes sense. If they can make a really big game out of this and show that, look, forget all this, uh, you know, forget all this, uh, this black magic that's around. There is no curse on the Cardinals when it comes to the end of the season. I think they'll be okay. But um, yeah, certainly a lot of pressure on them at the moment. All right, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! And Alex, an interesting match tonight as we see the battle of two sets of brothers. And, you know, when you think about the talent that's needed to play in the NFL, I mean, it just, it's unbelievable. We know the statistics, you know. I mean, you know, you're doing pretty well to play in high school these days. And then you think about college and then you think about making it to the NFL. How about having like two siblings uh, being able to play? It's, It's pretty remarkable. Uh, this week on the match, we see the Kelsey brothers, Jason and Travis, take on the Diggs brothers, Stefan and Trayvon. Uh, look, this is going to be some battle. Uh, Alex, let's start with uh, the Diggs brothers because, uh, you know, two amazing players in their own right. Let's start there. Yeah, I like these two players personally. I love um, Trayvon Diggs' story. He was a wide receiver like his brother. 
Um, but he went, when he was at Alabama, they kind of said to him, Hey, like we've got top tier all American wide receivers. We really don't need you in that position. You know, do you want to go play, you know, corner? And he has just kind of excelled in that spot. I think there was a point, it was like early October where he and his brother had the same amount of touchdowns. <laughs> they had two touchdowns apiece. And when you play defense and your brother plays offense and you both have the same amount of touchdowns, I think it just shows your kind of talent. But I think where Trayvon being an ex kind of wide receiver, it gives him a little bit of insight into what he might be thinking if he was that wide receiver and like, defensively it gives him a little bit of an edge of what he's looking for that corner position and i wonder whether it's going to create like a like a new strategy for 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 young players out there because what do we know about the wide receiver position it is stacked when you think about the talent out there there are you know you can get high quality wide receivers in the fifth sixth round of the draft when it comes to corners you know, one, two, three come off the board in that first, and then that's kind of it. So when you think about, you know, the advice to some of these young athletic players, I think Trayvon Diggs has got to be a case study to say, look, I, I know you want to be that flashy player after playing Madden and, and score all these touchdowns, but you can earn just as much money on the defensive side of the ball and, and sort of look to Trayvon. He, he has been he has been incredible. The one thing with him is he's going to have to tighten things up. Alex, he takes a lot of... He takes a lot of chances, a lot of risks. I mean, for as many for as many times as he takes that interception, he gets burned on some big plays. But look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him get away with it because he is so young. I think if he can sort of balance that out a little bit, I mean, you know, who, who knows how talented he can be? Let's talk a little bit now about his uh, his brother Stefan because don't you feel sorry for some of these elite talented players that just play in franchises and they just get stuck and you know not to not to poke fun at the Minnesota Vikings because you know let's be honest those fans have suffered enough over the last few years but talk to us a little bit about Stefan because um, you don't see players often be able to escape those franchises and um, yeah it was a pretty important move uh, for him yeah I think it was good for him to get out of Minnesota. I definitely think it was. And it's not like he wasn't putting up stats. And kind of his last two seasons in Minnesota, he did have over 1,000 yards. Um, so, yeah, that's that's good for him. So I think having the likes of, you know, Josh Allen who can get him the ball and just kind of thread that needle and thread it through, I think has made a huge difference to his productivity as a wide receiver. Yeah, and for those that haven't uh, had a chance to YouTube uh, the Minneapolis Miracle, if you didn't watch it live, of course, you know, a lot of our avid listeners probably watched it, but that that catch, that, you know, he's going to, you know, as much as obviously, you know, it probably didn't end the in the way that he would have liked at the Vikings, his career, that catch, that was a spectacular moment, will go down in history. So, uh, you know, but, but his ability to move to Buffalo is an interesting one, Alex, because it just often doesn't work out. You know, by the time you kind of get these players um, you know, they're at the sort of the back end of their career. And you think about, you know, even players this year, you know, you look at Julio Jones, you look at DeAndre Hopkins, amazing players, but they kind of move on, they break down, they get injured. I guess Stefan's at that sweet spot in his career where he came over just young enough that, you know, he's able to still be productive. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and that is hard too, when you go into a new franchise who have other wide receivers and tight ends that are just as consistent you know, and I think this is interesting when you look at fantasy too, right? Is that like the Bills have that receiver room is so interesting because 
it's like Josh Allen kind of gives you a chance as a receiver and goes, okay, you kind of dropped 20 balls for my liking. I'm going to go find somebody else that I can, I can throw the ball to. So they all kind of have their games, if you will, in that, in that, in that kind of system. So with a system like Buffalo for a player like Diggs, you could easily get lost and kind of be a, a lower term, you know, a lower string wide receiver, but he's still up there. He's still a common target. He's still making those plays that he needs to, and he's a good, I think, red zone player for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, he's definitely brought, I guess, you know, between him and Josh Allen, definitely brought that quality to the offensive side of the ball because, you know, we've spoken about their drafts previously. They just stacked the defensive side of the ball. You know, first-round picks on the defense year after year after year, they are absolutely loaded. But the offense, that's where they struggled bringing these two players, and they have transformed the franchise, that's for sure. All right, well, let's talk about their competitors tonight, the Kelsey brothers, and they certainly have a little bit of a CV for themselves. Let's start with Jason Kelsey because I guess we're not really supposed to like Philadelphia players, Alex. You know, that that's probably that's probably something that gets frowned upon in the NFL community, but how do you, how do you dislike Jason Kelsey? Because, you know, let, let, we'll talk about his football in a second, but he's certainly a character... Um, yeah, just one of the one of the one of the great players, one of the great people in the game of the NFL. Yeah, he's just like you just kind of like seeing him out on the field. He's one of those players, and he's center, so there aren't like a lot of stats to him. Um, but he is just one of those players. When you see him on the side, he just looks like he's enjoying himself. When you see him on the field, he looks like he's enjoying himself. But also, he's a player that like he just he will protect. You know. It hurts as much as he possibly can um, from in that quarterback position from that center spot. And I loved that Philadelphia in their game leading up to the playoffs, put him in for the first snap. So he had what 125 consecutive starts it, it for was, Philadelphia. It was incredible because it, it kind of shits down the thought that, oh, you know, players don't play for, you know, all of the individual accolades and the records. They don't mean anything. You know, it's like, yeah, they are, they are very, you know, they're, they're super important. But look, credit to him. You know, I think, you know, availability is a skill. And you think about the center role. It's not sexy. It's not the wide receiver role. But this dude's the captain, you know, he, he has the ability to kind of control things as much as the quarterback there he plays a very crucial role. Um, and Alex, it, it, it does, I, I guess, you know, he, he is getting on when, when you think about his career at, at, at the age of 34, but he got that Super Bowl. can never take that away from him. And uh, you know, that, that puts him in, in pretty special company. It, it does. It puts him in company with his brother too. So that's always nice when you've got two Super Bowls in the Super Bowl wins in the family. Um, but yeah, he, he's just, I like watching him out on the field. I love seeing him get his 125 snaps, and then they went, okay, you're off. <laughs> and there was like a nervous point, too, where the other center went down, and he just kind of looked at the field. He's like, I'm not going in. Exactly. Like that's, it's just, I'm just going to stand back here. So he he knows his place on that team, and I think that that defense as a as – a, or sorry, that offense as a captain, he's, he's a great player to have as a captain because I think for those younger players on that line, on that team, he's a great influence towards them. Yeah, and some of his speeches are legendary uh, from the locker room. They're sort of slowly leaked out into YouTube. So, again, highly recommend listening to that because he, uh, he can certainly uh, talk the talk. Uh, well, okay, you talk about talent in that family. Uh, we've, you know, as much as I love Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey is in a whole other stratosphere. Um, still cannot believe that he was uh, in the third round uh, of the draft in, in 2013. Alex, no one saw this coming. Um, Travis Kelsey, I mean, I'm almost speechless. You know, what, what can you say about a guy as talented as Travis? Um, he is a shoe-in Hall of Famer. We haven't seen anything like Travis at the moment. He could go down as 
you know, one of, if not the best tight ends in history. Um, you know, Grog, uh, Rob Gronkowski has obviously got all the pelts on the wall, but, you know, Travis, when you think about pure athleticism and natural ability, um, yeah, a special player. Yeah, definitely. And I think it goes to show that these amazing gifted players that have come kind of up in the NFL and have been super standouts the last kind of last three or so, three or four years, they haven't been first round picks. And I think it just goes to show that franchises, if you're if you're looking for players that you can develop, looking for look for players that will put in the work and will go to bat for you, because I think you will end up with more players like Travis Kelsey, who will put in the effort. And then once they have all that knowledge, once they have all that experience and they've been working out and they, you know, have been in the NFL for a little bit, they will then soar. Right. Because he, he wasn't a first round pick, but. He is now when you when we talk about tight ends, you can't talk about tight ends without talking about Travis Kelsey. And Alex, I, I guess a, a quick way to a gold jacket in the NFL is to land in the right position. And you think about Andy Reid and now Patrick Mahomes and even Tyreek Hill, who sort of you know his combination, uh, you know, on offense. It's uh, you know you, you, you add the talent add the situation and it's uh, it, it's certainly successful and you know we know about Travis obviously they've had their Super Bowl success a little bit of a disappointment against Tampa last year but uh, I still think there could be a Super Bowl or two in Travis's future and um, yeah it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up um, over the next few years all right uh, Alex no sitting on the fence when it comes to the match time to pick uh, the set of brothers Kelsey or Diggs uh, where are you going here I think if I wanted to go like personality and just like personality of the franchises they're part of, you go with the Kelsey brothers. But I think if you're looking at stats and just kind of performance, I got to go with the Diggs brothers just because I think they put up some great numbers as far as their positions go. You know, Trayvon Diggs on the defense for the Cowboys has been phenomenal. Stefan Diggs has been great for the Buffalo Bills. Consistently, they're just, they're just good. And they're just fun players to watch. They put on a show, which I think can sometimes be a detriment. But they do put on a show, they are fun to watch, and they will get those interceptions and those catches for you. Yeah, 12 months from now, I'm going to be saying the Diggs brothers, that's for sure. But I've got to go with the Kelsey brothers just for now, just because Trayvon just takes a few too many risks for me at the moment. Um, so, look, he'll work he'll work that out of his game in 12 months' time. But right at the moment, Travis is spectacular. Jason, obviously, he's got an, an amazing uh, resume in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, yeah, congratulations to, the, to both families involved. Uh, must be great to have uh, both brothers compete at such a high level. But, uh, yeah, Kelsey brothers for me. All right, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, Alex, we're always running out of time to get Matt Damon on the show. But again, to our listeners, we do promise that we will uh, make that happen. All right, the question I've got for you this week, Alex, is as predicted as we move through into the playoffs, who is your NFC and AFC champions. What are your predictions there? As much as I uh, hate to say this, I do see the Packers coming out as NFC champs. I just think they're just a better football team right now as far as the NFC goes. And I think a lot of the NFC teams have had to kind of like squeeze through in the last couple of weeks. They've had to come. If you're Tampa, you've had to have two comeback wins before the playoffs. You've got some injuries kind of linger. You've had some drama kind of happen. You know, if you're kind of the other teams, you're probably not where you thought you'd be at the beginning of the season. 
So I think for me, the Packers are going to take the NFC championship. <sighs> but it is what it is. It's difficult to uh, to get those words out. And uh, what's your thoughts on the AFC? Uh, AFC for me, I think I'm going to have to go with the Bills. I just think after last year, they're just going to kind of come out guns blazing. I think they have a lot to prove because I think last year people kind of thought, oh, they really shouldn't have been in the playoffs. It was kind of lucky for them to get there and for them to kind of come back. I think they're going to come back and go, no, no, we deserve to be in the playoffs. And I just think that they probably have a little bit – they don't have as many injuries and probably COVID affections that the other teams that they're playing against do. I think it will come down to them and the Bengals potentially on who's going to win that one. But I do see the um, – the Bills winning that one and being the AFC champs. Yeah, look, I think they're pretty solid predictions. I've got to agree with you when it comes to the NFC. Look, let's just be very clear about what I want to see. And what I want to see is obviously Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up against the New England Patriots. That would be the dream Super Bowl. Uh, Belichick v. Brady, Mac Jones v. Brady. But um, just, uh, yeah, it's going to be very challenging for that to happen. Um, when you think about the NFC, uh, look, it appears the Bucks will run into Green Bay in that second round of the playoffs if they can get past Philly. The Bucks are just so battered, so many injuries at the moment. Green Bay, they'll be refreshed. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he copped some stick from me in previous episodes because of uh, his interesting uh, philosophies off, off, off away from football. Uh, but on the field, he's been absolutely perfect and will win the, um, he'll win the, NF, uh, the MVP award. So for me, I have got to agree with you. I think Green Bay, they're going to be very, very hard to stop. When it comes to the AFC, that that's where things get a little bit interesting. And I think it'll be... I think it'll be figured out uh, pretty early uh, when you look at the bracket in the AFC. But I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, I've just been so incredibly wrong when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm going to stop betting against them, and I'm going to jump on the bandwagon uh, a little bit late here. Um, Joe Burrows, he's just uh, spectacular at the moment. He would have been the MVP if it hadn't been for Aaron Rodgers. So I've got a Packers-Bengals Super Bowl, which I would never thought I would say, but, uh, but here we are. All right, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Alex, just want to thank you for uh, talking all things NFL. Uh, yeah, another another great episode. Really excited uh, about season two. We've got a lot of things planned. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, tonight's episode. If you did, uh, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next time, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports. Mojo Sports.